It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we're speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them, yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might bring the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has, found worthy, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Thank you, Les. That was read very nicely, wasn't it? Thank you. 
yes. Uh, now, uh, that's not the last uh, special appearance up the front here. Come on down, Cassie. Um, so, uh, you would be aware from last week when John introduced this series of Hebrews that we've been inspired by Cassie's uh, love of Hebrews as she's been involved in her studies at Morling. And we'll use this red one again, hey? Uh, and so, thank you. So we're looking at Hebrews, and how did you feel about that passage as we read it? Pretty good? But I don't know, is it just me? There's a lot in there, isn't there? You know, and just my head kind of gets a little bit confused. You know, maybe it's all very clear for you, but for me, as I read some of these passages in Hebrews, I find it a bit hard to keep up. And uh, there's a whole lot of images in Hebrews, a lot of them out of the Old Testament, that are being used to help us understand Jesus. And it kind of moves in and out of these different images fairly quickly at times. One of the images that we touch on today from this passage is this idea of Jesus as priest, right? Drawing on that Old Testament kind of priesthood thing, helping us understand Jesus. So I thought, Cassie, you're smart and you like this stuff. What reflections do you have for us just around this idea? Or what might you like about this whole idea of Jesus as priest? So the, one of the things that I really love about the imagery is Jesus as priest and for that you kind of have to go back to um, the Old Testament and if you've done a lot of reading of the Old Testament, particularly right at the beginning with um, the Exodus and uh, the Israelites and Moses, what, what I found quite fascinating is that for them back then, they had Moses as their priest and he was their mediator. So a broken, flawed person was the mediator for them and God. And so he would have to go before God um, covered because he was also flawed so that then he could receive messages and pass messages. And that was how it was because they were broken people who couldn't be in a perfect relationship with God because of sin. And so what we have in Jesus and the significance of it as Jesus as priest is that we can come before him completely flawed and broken and unclean. And not only can we come before him, but he now dwells in us, in our hearts and in our mind and in our soul. And the significance of it is just incredible, especially if you go through the books where it talked about what the Israelites would have to do to be able to come before God, to prepare themselves to come before him. It's, it's quite intense stuff. Um, because God is so holy and so righteous and you can't, he can't be in a perfect relationship with us because of sin. And so Jesus is this significant priest because he's broken that barrier and because of, because of our sin he has come down and he's died for us and risen again. And, and so the significance of him as priest is that we don't have to do anything like the Israelites did. We can just be who we are and come as we are, unclean, and we can have a relationship with the Father. So that is what we have in Jesus. I hope I haven't stolen any of your material. For I, I can sit down now, no. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll find a way to use up their time. It's okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So is that helpful? 
Just thinking about these things. Um, did you want to say anything else? You don't need to. That was excellent. But you can. No, that was good stuff. That's good. Okay, we got you. Okay. Right, yeah, thank you so much, Cassie. It's really, yeah. Well, sometimes we forget, don't we, what a wonderful gift the Scriptures are. We think we kind of want to skirt across the top a bit, but it's worthy of a bit of digging, right? And uh, kind of dwelling on things and, and, and think, thinking them around because there is a richness and a depth that we can find. And this notion of Jesus as priest, it is an interesting one. So we're going we're gonna to be touching on that today. Um, I think after, like it's big, big shoes to step into now, following Cassie, and because I find this all a bit confusing myself, how about we pray before we start? Is that all right? So Father, we do thank you for the wonderful gift of your word and we are your people here wanting to know you better and we know that your word is an invitation to you uh, and we know that it is a gift, we know it is powerful as we, as we seek to understand what you would say to us through your word. We pray that your spirit would be at work in us as we look at it now, that you would give us clear minds, that you would help me to speak clearly and, uh, and give us soft hearts that we might be changed by, by what we come to know about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, I thought I'd just start by reflecting on some of those things that we would all be familiar with at the moment, and that is as we think back to our experience of these floods. And one of the things, one of the recurring themes that we've heard shared, and certainly I've shared, is just how amazing people can be. Have we seen that through this experience, through all the awful kind of things. People can be amazing. They really can. And in the midst of that, the critical moments, the people that, you know, risked life and limb to get out there to help, you know, rescuing people from rooftops and all kinds of things. And then, you know, more than that, just the generosity as people have opened homes to people to, to find somewhere to stay, as people have been just wanting to help with the clean-up and through town there when it was such a mess and all these people that would come through and just say, hey, can we help out? And when we were down there with that trailer, many of us were down there, didn't we see like almost an endless stream of people that wanted to help us or wanted to give us things to give out, you know, turning up with a ute full of whatever they thought might be useful from, you know, the Gold Coast or somewhere and want, wanting to make it available, you know, just the, the generosity, the, the selfless kind of giving of time and energy um, I don't think I've ever been part of community spirit like that before that kind of generosity and maybe some of you have but I don't think I have and it was horrible situation but wow people can be amazing um, but of course that's not the only thing we saw was it <laughs> Now, these stories were very much, in my experience at least, in the minority, but we did hear some other kinds of stories too, didn't we? The ones where people might have gone in offering to help, but actually, you know, then taken advantage of vulnerable people, a bit of looting, uh, some kind of, um, yeah, just people being opportunistic in what they could get out of a difficult situation. So we did hear those stories as well. Hard to understand how people could kind of do some of those kinds of things when people are already so distraught and vulnerable, but such is humanity. Such is humanity. And, uh, you know, it's that reminder, isn't it, what we're capable of, but also 
you know, what we're capable of in a negative way. Um, and, and we can lift our eyes up, can't we? Take a step back, you know, from our, our region, our situation, and consider our world, right? It's the same, isn't it? As we consider the world that we're in, uh, people today are capable of the most wonderful, beautiful, amazing things. And in countries like ours especially, we are wealthier, we are better educated, we have better health care, we have more life opportunities and choices, we live longer than we ever have before. It's just, this is our world today. And yet at the same time, what? We can't ignore our ability to fail to share the benefits of this age with many even in our own country, but certainly as we look globally, the desperate poverty, uh, the, the unspeakable destruction of lives at the hands of, you know, or, you know, uh, as a result of war and conflict. And, and, and we see global environment, uh, kind of environmental issues, uh, our world suffering at the hands of our kind of careless uh, use of uh, this wonderful world that we've been given you know we see the ability to do amazing things but then also this at times unspeakable evil we see both it could be so good and yet clearly something isn't right something is wrong with our world uh something is wrong with us so how what do we do with that How do we make sense of this? What do we do with that? How should we respond? Well, hopefully, our passage today is going to help us with that one. So, uh, we're going to start with this idea of falling short. So, uh, we're not there yet. The previous one says falling short, doesn't it? There it is. Falling short. Okay. Now we go to the next one. We're going to read, reread verses 5 to 8. So if you've got it there, or it's on the screen, if your eyes are good, good enough to read that. It is not to angels, so this is what we read, it is not to angels that he, that God, has subjected the world to come, about which we're speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind, that you are mindful of them, a son of man, that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels, you crowned them with glory and honour, and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. So what's this? Well, you know, a big part of that is a quote, isn't it? We can see from the way it's formatted, if you're looking at a Bible. Uh, And and the quote is from Psalm 8. And if you were to have a look at Psalm 8, you would see that it is a psalm which celebrates the special place that God has given humanity in creation. He has made them a little lower than the angels. He's crowned them with glory and honour. He's put everything under their feet. So it's celebrating that. And so the author of Hebrews is quoting from there. But then he goes on very, very quickly, doesn't he? To say that things aren't all as they should be. So at the, very, at the, the end of verse 8 there, what does it say? It says, yet at present... We do not see everything subject to them. We aren't fulfilling God's purpose for us. We're not ruling as he intended. It's the kind of thing we've just been talking about in that little intro 
that I had fear there. And it's like we see in Gen- like Genesis, our minds might go back to Genesis 1, mightn't it? What were we made for? We were made in the image of God, weren't we? We were made to rule in a way that images God and his loving care for all of creation. That's what we were made for. And do we see, that's verses 26 and 28 to 28, chapter 1 of Genesis. Now do we see that? Do we see people imaging God and his loving care in the way we kind of rule over this world? Well, we see glimpses of it, don't we? We see good things. We see it in the beautiful, in the good, in the creative. When we see justice, we see glimpses of humanity imaging God. But we also see other things, don't we? We see ugliness, we see violence, we see a lack of justice. There is very much that sense that we aren't being who we're made to be. We're not imaging God as we should. We have dominion and yet we don't have dominion, certainly not the right kind of dominion. Creation isn't under our control, it frustrates, it rebels against us. We ourselves in some ways are the slaves because of death and because of our fear of it it's not all as it should be clearly we fall short do you see is this kind of making sense here's a here's an image for you picture a little child you know on the beach having a lovely the sun is shining as it is for us right making a sandcastle and they're putting all this care in they've been collecting the bits and the older brother comes along, and what does he do? Right. There's an image, right? Another one. Imagine, imagine uh, you have put great care into making a gift for someone, something really beautiful, something that you're good at. Erica might be crocheting something. Uh, Kay might be painting something. And many hours of loving care have gone into this gift. And uh, you give it to the person only to see what? Maybe it's just disregarded. Next time you turn up, it's just on a pile somewhere, a bit dusty, maybe even damaged, right? Do you think it might be a little bit like this, these kinds of things, as God looks at his world and at us today? This, this beautiful creation. And what are we doing? And it can, not just for God, it can be heartbreaking for us, can't it, as we look at this world and we look at the beauty and we realise that some of it is on the brink of being lost. You know, if we think of our environment, you know, we've, we've all seen those pictures, haven't we, of our beautiful Great Barrier Reef, you know, and the coral, coral bleaching and the risk there. I mean, what does, how does that make you feel as you... Think about that. Or, or as you uh, hear or see some of these images of forests just being logged in a way that is completely unsustainable and, you know, it's all just been wiped out or due to salinity or, 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 or misuse of our water resources or whatever it is. Like, as we see this, and perhaps even more so as we look at, at humanity and the beauty that could be there and yet the, the degradation so often through poverty or violence. Think of what the images of places like Ukraine at the moment. How does it make us feel when we see what could be and yet so broken uh, on the brink of terrible destruction? 
Surely it breaks God's heart. Surely, as he looks at this beautiful creation that is created in love and in power, damaged, disregarded, in some ways destroyed. It's not how he made it to be. And we're not living as he made us to be. And that's, that's the image that we get at the start of this passage. A little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honour, everything under their feet. And yet, and yet, at present, we do not see everything as it should be. Now, the good news, of course, is that's not the end of the story, is it? That's not the end of the story. And if we look at verse 9, I've called this not falling short. Verse 9, but, but, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Wow. So Jesus... Jesus alone, and I think this is what he's saying here, Jesus alone was truly, fully human. Jesus alone fulfills God's purposes for humanity and so opens the way for the rest of us. You know, Psalm 8 was originally directed to people, but ultimately it directs us to Jesus Because he's the only one who truly fulfills what is declared there. Now, the interesting thing in this, in in verse 9 here, is it seems it's through Jesus' death that he's been crowned in this way. So it's one of those ideas that just gets brought in here. In verse 10, it says, if you're looking at it there, that he's been made perfect by God through his suffering. Now, You know, the idea is that this is how, through his suffering, this is how he's fulfilled God's purposes for all humanity. Somehow, there's a relationship between his death and his suffering and him being fully, truly human for us. And we know that it's through his death that he came to be the risen Lord, that he that he uh, found victory over, over sin and death. Through his death, the risen Lord, crowned now with glory and honour to rule all creation, taking the place, essentially, that we were made, to, made for, that we were made for and that we failed to take. So, Jesus, what's this mean for the rest of us? That he is the only one who's truly fulfilled God's purposes for all of humanity? Is it just great for him? Well, far from it. What we see here, verse 9, this was for everyone. For everyone. In verse 10, we're told it was to bring many sons and daughters to glory. In verse 11, we see that, that that, that it was to make us holy. So you see, Jesus tasted death. Jesus, through his death and, uh, and through his life, uh, fulfilled God's purposes for all humanity so that through his death we might be freed from death. There is this invitation. And verses 14 and 15, it kind of untangles it there. If we can look at those verses, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, 
he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So there it is. Jesus, Jesus, he fulfills God's intention for humanity like we don't. Ruling rightly in glory and honour as the one who opens the way so we also can return to God's intended place for us. This is the picture here. This is what Jesus has done. He's the, in verse 10, he's described as the pioneer of our salvation. Right? He's described in verse 17 as a merciful and faithful high priest, coming back to that idea of priest, who makes atonement for our sins... Uh, for, for atonement for the sins of the people. And in, so in that sense, and as Cassie was kind of talking to us before, he's just like the Old Testament priests, because that's what they did. The Old Testament priests, they offered sacrifices, didn't they? To atone for or to pay for the sins of the people, to pay the price for those sins, acting then as mediators, that's what priest means, between God and people, Right? He's like those Old Testament priests, but he's different. How is he different? Well, this saviour or this priest is perfect. Right? It says in verse 10. And if we want to skip forward to chapter 7, verse 27, and I think I'm putting it up here, we're told that unlike the other high priests, he, Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices day after day like they had to. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He doesn't need to do that. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So he is a great high priest. He can be a priest like no other. Jesus, this is who he is. Jesus is the answer to all the brokenness, to all the tragedy, to the predicament, to the human predicament, life as we know it. He is the answer. He alone is who we were meant to be. He alone is the pioneer showing the way. Right? He is the one who provides the answer to our mess. That's what uh, the author, the Hebrews, is trying to tell us here. He is the one who in all of this is then inviting us to join him in being who God made us to be. He's the one who makes that possible. Okay, so this is, we fall short, Jesus hasn't fall short, fallen short and in so doing invites us to be who we were actually made to be how does this all work how can it be that jesus great work is so effective for our salvation or as it says in verse 17 his priestly work of atoning or paying for our sins how can it be so completely adequate how can it be well uh, we've got this whole idea here because he is god for us and that's what we I see in these remaining verses, Jesus is God for us. Think about what John brought to us last week. Can you remember? That out of that first chapter of Hebrews, who is Jesus? He is what? He's the great son of God, isn't he? He is the great king. He is the radiance. He is the exact 
representation of God. This is who Jesus is. Look at that first chapter. He's the one through whom God made all things, sustains all things. He is the one who will inherit all things into eternity. He is all of these things. And yet, here we learn, he is also the one who, verse 10, chose to suffer for us. Wow. Right? He is the one who has chosen to fully and truly identify with us, calling us family, calling us brothers and sisters, calling us his children. Right? We see that in verses 11 to 13 there. He is the one who has, even though he is the amazing, awesome son of God, who has chosen to share our very humanity and our mortality. Look at verse 14 again. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. He has shared in our humanity and mortality, and through that he has broken the power of death. It's summed up here in verse 17 of chapter 2. It says, For this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So if a priest is a mediator, the reason that Jesus can be a merciful and faithful high priest, perfect in his mediation between God and us, the reason is because he is both divine son of God and he is truly and fully human, humbling himself even, even to death. That's why his ministry is described here as perfect for our salvation, because of his willingness even to, as the glorious son of God to go to death for us. That's Jesus. Okay, a little bit of light relief now. Um, picture, have you seen this one? You probably, I don't know if you can see it very well. It's our new Prime Minister, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. This is not a political comment. I'm not telling you who you should or shouldn't vote for. I've just noticed these kinds of images lately. That's, they call him Albo when they talk about these things. He's not Prime Minister Albanese, right? And he's wearing what? The big thing was, here he is stepping out his front door in his footy jumper and his Ugg boots, right? This has popped up a few times. I've got another picture for you. Okay, I don't know if you can see that. But I, tragically, I guess, follow a page on Facebook called Dig It Up, which, which is all about Australian 80s rock music, right? Don't hold it against me. Um, but they started posting these pictures of, of our new Prime Minister wearing T-shirts that celebrate 80s rock bands, right? The Celebrate Rifles and Radio Birdman and there's, I think that might be a song list he chose with all these 80s bands in it, right? Can you read the caption that they've put up the top? It's very small. They said, maybe there is a God. What are they getting at? What are they getting at? They're just saying they like this stuff. There's some, so that, 
people are drawn to this kind of thing, right? I'm not saying whether Anthony Albanese, whatever, right? I'm just saying people like this stuff. What do they like about it? What are people thinking? Maybe (laughs) you're talking about modern music now. Uh, They're saying even though he's the Prime Minister of Australia, he's what? He's one of us, right? And if you like 80s rock music, maybe you can relate to this guy. Or if you sometimes wear Ugg boots and go outside to get the newspaper, you can relate to this guy. Again, I'm not saying anything. This isn't a political comment, right? But this is me saying people like that kind of sense of, oh, he's one of us, right? I even saw one comment. Someone said, please stop. I'm trying to dislike this guy, you know? So, um, okay, it's a poor example. Jesus is a lot more than just the guy that wears our favourite rock band T-shirt or something, right? He's the, but it's that sense. I'm trying to get our heads inside this sense. He's the divine, the wonderful, the awesome son of God. And yet he is also truly and fully one of us. He's come amongst us. Even our great thing we fear death, even to death. This is Jesus. This is the sort of Lord that we worship and we follow. This is why we can't help loving him. He's not just God. He is one of us. He is the great high priest. He is the one like no one else who can actually be that mediator for us. He knows and he understands. Verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because he gets it. He's been there. That's our God. That's Jesus, right? This is why we love being Christians. This is why we love following Jesus. It's because of who he is. Um, It's a lot more than footy bands and 80s, whatever. Um, You know, when life takes a bad turn, things don't go right. We can be tempted, can't we, sometimes? To think God's absent or he doesn't understand. He's distant. He's not available, right? Where is he? Where is God in the midst of the devastation of all these floods? Where is God in the midst of my broken marriage? Where is God... Uh, in the midst of what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. Where is he? Right? If we think God is absent or he doesn't understand, we could not be more wrong. We could not be more mistaken. Jesus is God with us and for us. This is who he is. This is our Lord. This is our Saviour. He is the God who has suffered for us. He knows. And therefore, I always love it, when you see a therefore... In the scriptures. So, because of all this, as we reflect on this at the beginning of chapter 3, it says, Therefore, what is the therefore? Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Fix your thoughts on him. That's what Hebrews is all about. That's what this passage is all about. There are so many things that can distract us or lead us not to do this very thing. But what we need more than anything else is to fix our eyes, to fix our thoughts on him. Think about the wonder of who he actually is. The divine son of God. Read that chapter one again, right? 
And think about the wonder of what he's actually done, who he's become, what he's gone through for us, what he endured and what he achieved. Spend time on this. Right? Invest yourself in this. And, you know, that's what the scriptures are all about as we read and as we reflect and as we pray. As we, who is Jesus? Uh, contemplate, pray, give thanks. Right? There is no more important task or priority for those of us who would want to know the salvation that he has for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful reminder of, of, of just uh, who Jesus is. Lord, we've been reminded this morning that we do fall short. We're not everything you made us to be, and yet your son Jesus is. He has come as one of us. He has lived the life that we should have lived, and he has given himself even unto death so that we might not have to taste death, that we can find new life, that we can be who you made us to be in him. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on our beautiful Saviour, Jesus. Amen.